1: Terren Pritchett
3: It is great to be with you on this Tuesday, August the 23rd of 2022 live from our studios in downtown South Bend, Indiana. I welcome you to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat as we broadcast live on 960 AM WSBT. We are streaming live at wsbtradio.com. And on the free WSBT radio app, we also have our video stream rolling right now on the Twitch app. The Twitch app is free to download, and once you have it, all you have to do is search our page, which is Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Well, the South Bend Cubs are going to take on the West Michigan Whitecaps up in Comstock Park, Michigan, the next six games, the next four nights, We'll have a shortened Budweiser's weekday sports beat due to Cubs baseball. We are done Tuesday through Friday at about 6.13 or so. So we'll have to be quick with our thoughts and get to as much as possible here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Coming up in about 10 minutes or so, Mike Singer, Notre Dame football recruiting insider, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. He always joins us on Tuesday. We just moved him up earlier in the show to make sure we get him in today. So we'll talk some recruiting with Mike in about 10 minutes here on WSBT Radio. We've got our Twitter question of the day ready to go. Also coming up, our Irish player spotlight with defensive end Riley Mills. We'll wrap up the program with our sports wagering segment we going to Sizzler. So, an hour to work with. Let's get started. Budweiser's weekday sports beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
0: The
1: first pitch of uh, the first pitch of the night, and we are ready for the first pitch of- into the windup in his first
2: offering. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. A
3: couple of first pitches for you tonight. Well, things have died down at least for those of us on the outside looking in when it comes to universities looking to find a better place for their sports teams. We had UCLA and USC make the big leap from the Pac-12 to the Big Ten Conference, but things have been rather quiet ever since. You know, we hear this, we hear that, but nothing has happened as of yet. We've heard Kevin Warren, the Big Ten Commissioner, say he wouldn't be surprised if the Big Ten eventually gets up to 20 teams. That means adding four more squads. It wouldn't be a shock if the Southeastern Conference adds four more teams or more to get to 20 and beyond. Who knows what's going to be left of the ACC? Will it be like the Pac-12, the Big 12, fractured conferences? A lot to still be determined. Things may be quiet right now, but you know eventually things will pick up once again. Now the perception has been that things slowed down because of Notre Dame. For all those anti notre Dame people that the Irish aren't relevant anymore, well... Sorry, hate to disappoint you, but Notre Dame is still a big thing. The Big Ten would love to have the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame join their membership. As we've read through reports, Notre Dame is trying to get a better TV deal for their home games. Maybe they stick with NBC. That seems the most likely Conclusion to this story as I mentioned yesterday ESPN does not have the Big Ten portion of their contract anymore I mean ESPN and the Big Ten had been together for four decades no more they got money to spend could they at least push the envelope with NBC forcing NBC to pay a little more or is ESPN serious about adding Notre Dame that would be very interesting to say the least I think we'd see college game day, a whole lot more at Notre Dame Stadium, that's for sure. But as of right now, Notre Dame is still striving to remain independent. And if they get the money they're looking for with their meteorite rights deal, they will stay independent. But you always have to look at what's out there. You always have to have plan B, plan C, plan D, plan B. B C D E F. one of those is the Big Ten. Sports Business Journal had an interesting little tidbit earlier today. The story is a paragraph in length. I'll just read the paragraph. CBS, Fox, and NBC know exactly how much extra they will have to pay as part of their rights deals with the Big Ten if the conference were to land Notre Dame within the next seven years. Now that specific dollar figure which is not publicly known is spelled out in the contracts that have been signed. Now no other school is mentioned in these deals by name that could be because the other teams are affiliated with conferences and it's kind of like When a player is available, another team can't mention that player by name, but they can say, hey, we're looking to acquire some help. I think tampering might be the best way to describe it, so there might be more names affiliated with these contracts. You just can't mention them. We'll see and the contracts do not assign a dollar figure to any other school that may join the conference according to sources. Notre Dame is the only school that has specific language about escalators. If, say, the Big Ten adds two West Coast teams, the networks have agreed to have good faith conversations with the conference about opening their deals and adjusting their rights fees. However the specific increases are not spelled out in the contract language. Having a specific number attached to Notre Dame provides the conference and the Fighting Irish with some certainty for the value of their rights if the Irish do decide to join the Big Ten Conference. That's just a story put out today by Sports Business Journal. So apparently there is a backup plan, and why wouldn't the Big Ten go through this process? Notre Dame is the biggest fish still out there. It is the great whale that everybody wants to acquire. The ACC desperately wants Notre Dame to keep their football conference alive. Not sure it could do that totally, but it wouldn't hurt. The Big Ten has always wanted Notre Dame. It's just never, well, not always. But in recent times, they've wanted Notre Dame. Haven't been able to get it done. So, Notre Dame has a good backup plan. They get a good idea of their value. That may help them with their negotiations on their home TV deal. Who knows? But that's from Sports Business Journal. A little insight on what's happening right now with those Big Ten media rights deals and just in case Notre Dame decides to say yes, the networks have a plan in place to make all this work out, and why wouldn't you? That's our first pitch for today, Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. It is now 18 minutes after 5 o'clock. Let's talk Notre Dame football recruiting with Mike Singer, the Notre Dame football recruiting insider, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Oftentimes, Mike, we hear head coach Marcus Freeman talk about other members of the staff that may not be familiar to some Irish fans that are a big part of Notre Dame football recruiting. Now, one of the guys I'm going to ask you about is James Laurinaitis. Some people may know him from his days as a great linebacker in college and the National Football League. Marcus Freeman also talks about Chad Bowden. Put it into perspective, these two guys, what do they mean to Notre Dame football recruiting?
2: I'll start with Laurinaitis, um, Darren, and he's like him on the recruiting front, he's basically just, Another assistant coach, like that's kind of the impact that he's had. I mean, he is just regularly communicating with top linebackers. there, and this is something that I haven't been told by any sources or anything like. This is just Mike Singer giving his opinion. Latus is at Notre Dame to go get another assistant. like he's, he's here to, to get another job. He's a graduate assistant right now it's just going to be a matter of time before he's an assistant coach somewhere, whether that's Notre Dame or some other college Um, he's being, it just seems like he's being groomed for that under Al golden and Marcus Freeman, Freeman, of course, um, his, uh, you know, old college teammate with with, with the Buckeyes, what uh, 20 some odd years ago. Um, So, you know, he, he, you see him on the recruiting front involved with all these linebackers that they're after and, prospects certainly think highly of him you know i don't know if many of them watched him growing up but they certainly can google him and see that he was just inducted into the you know college football hall of fame i believe it was so certainly having a strong impact on the recruiting front you know like Jaden Osberry um talked about him a lot osbury a, a four-star linebacker um you know with, with just deep deep lsu connections and, and picked the Irish over the Tigers and definitely talked about Austin, or excuse me, talked about Lauren. a good bit in his decision. Chad Bowden's a, another one, um, who, man, um, the, the, the op- Notre Dame recruiting operation, the wheels turn on that because of, of this man. Um, I, I mean, he's involved in every single recruit, um, you know, I just I don't think there's anything that goes on with with Notre Dame football recruiting that the guy doesn't know about. Um, high energy um, and, and impactful. Like a lot of recruits, whether they should or not, commit to colleges because of relationships with coaches, Darren. And he, Chad Bowden's the director of recruiting, but you know, like some players will, will commit to the Fighting Irish because. Like you know, I, I want to go. You know, I want to be with Chad Bowden. Like, I'll, and of course, the other coaches too. But like, he's an important part, not only just again the operation, sending coaches out on the road, building the board, scouting, like all that kind of stuff. But the actual recruiting of players too, whether that be on the phone, text messages, or when the players are on campus, he is a, a very important part of the Notre Dame staff.
3: It sure seems like Mike that this whole coaching staff and all the secondary parts work so well together. It feels like this is as smooth of an operation as we have seen at Notre Dame in a few years.
2: Yeah, I think that's what we always say until it crumbles. You know, like, I I don't know. But from the the outside looking in, that's certainly what it seems like. Uh, Look, coaches have egos. Um, we, we all have egos. So when when you have a bunch of alpha males in the same rooms, there has to be, um, you know, some heads butting, but from what I can tell, it's a pretty close knit staff and it starts at the top when you have Marcus Freeman, who just has that contagious, um, personality. Um, you know, people just want to be around him and, um, you know, very charismatic, you know, I think that feeds down to the rest of the staff, and and many of those guys have some similar t- qualities. So, I, I do think they mesh pretty well, Darren. But again, I think we'd be fooling ourselves to, to, if we said that you know those guys don't bump heads because you know they're all former like you know, former players. You know, most of them at the college level. You know, and uh, so of, of course, you know they they have their egos, their own you know egos, and, and ways they want to do things, but. Again, from what I can tell, and I've been covering college football recruiting um, for about a decade, you know, not only covering Fighting Irish, obviously, and uh, it, it's about as tight as the staff advice as, as I've seen.
3: Now, Mike, obviously, a kid's not going to pick a school because of a video posted on social media, but in terms of window dressing and just enhancing the whole package, the way that Fighting Irish media has now stepped up to be an important part of recruiting, it may not make a kid go to Notre Dame, but at the same time, it keeps the focus on this Fighting Hours program.
2: Yeah. I, I, You know, like you said, the kid's not going to pick Notre Dame because of some, um, you know, cool video. But if Notre Dame's not doing that and all the other schools are, it, it can hurt Notre Dame. You know, does that make sense? And I think it's another thought on this is under a market stream and it's kind of this, out, this outlook, especially from the national media, looking in, being like Notre Dame's kind of cool again. And like I, I think that's kind of how we all feel. Like hey, you know, this isn't your, uh, you know, your grandpa's Notre Dame kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like um, Notre Dame's not stuffy anymore. It, it, whether they were or not, that's a different discussion. But you know, Marcus Rums is just making Notre Dame cool again. You know that that's kind of what has been the off season. You know, fr- from the outside looking in on the Fighting Irish and what notre dame is doing on social media i think is a a fact you know that that's a big part of it and and, you know whether it's notre dame sending graphics to recruits or the uh the whole hangover vegas spoof thing that that they did it was fantastic recruits know that uh they see it i asked them about it they all love it um you know when you're getting texts daily from marcus freeman then you go see him on you know that that hangover spoof You know, like, that means a lot to the players.
3: We're talking Notre Dame football recruiting with Mike Singer, Notre Dame football recruiting insider, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. I'm Darren Pritchett. Should we know the name Davis Sherwood?
2: Yeah, how about this, Darren? Um, In the, what class would he have been? 2021, I want to say. He's just going into his sophomore year. Um, Typically, Darren, you have a walk-on. And they're going to red shirts their, uh, their, their first year. Like that's just how it goes. He didn't, you know, he was a key part of the punt team um, and played you know linebacker, not, not on the field, but, you know, helped out in, in practice and, and I'm sure scout team and whatnot, and then gets moved this off season to like a fullback type role. Whenever Notre Dame is going to use one in, in tight end, um, and ha- has had a really good fall camp from everything we've been told at Blue and Gold. And and then sources told us today um, that to- uh, offense coordinator Tommy Reese informed Sherwood that he'd be on scholarship. So always a neat thing uh, when a walk-on gets put on scholarship. This opened up due to Avery Davis' injury. He was uh, put on a, a medical you know, red shirt or medically retired or, or whatever the, the correct Terminology is there. So Notre Dame was at E5 scholarships. The Davis injury um, unfortunately opened up this one um, for, for David Sherwood. But, again, it, it, it could it be for a more deserving young man to earn this scholarship? And I do think that this sophomore will be able to contribute mm. on the field as well. I do want to mention, and go to blueandgold.com, and you'll see the story Notre Dame football puts walk-on tight end David Sherwood on scholarship. He he had a bunch of offers you know, smaller Division One schools coming out of high school. But he battled injury junior, I, I want to say junior and senior years, dinged up and just couldn't get the the big-time looks that, you know, he thought that he should have gotten. So he takes the chance on himself to go to Notre Dame rather than, you know, take a, a smaller D1 offer and clearly paid off because going into year two, put on scholarship, that's, that's pretty impressive for this young man. Mm.
3: Well, high school football got started across the United States last week, including right here in the state of Indiana. So Notre Dame football had some of their commitments, making their debuts for 2022. Who stood out last weekend?
2: Yeah, Darren, it wasn't a ton of Notre Dame guys. I want to say it was about seven. The one who stood out the most uh, was Rico Flores Jr., 6'1", 195 pounds, um, four-star receiver commit for uh, in Notre Dame and, and position coach Chancey Stuckey um, blowout win for them uh, his stats on the day seven uh, receptions for 156 oh. yards and two touchdowns uh, and, and for YouTube audience we have the um, clip of one it's a deep post uh, where he runs about 20 yards cuts towards the post a uh, quarterback lays it on him perfectly stretches out makes the catch and runs into the touch uh, run, runs into the end zone and then Flores even tweeted out himself uh don't question my speed you know because i mean look a lot of us talk about Flores who he's, he's not a burner um but you know he's a, a, a technically extremely sound and impressive route runner um but you know Flores is saying in the street hey don't don't sleep on my speed i can run past you too so um Darren, I feel like, you know, us as a, a community falls, Notre Dame football recruiting, someone will commit and it's a big time get. And then you kind of just forget about it and as a couple of weeks go by and it's like, ah, yeah, it's a big time get, but yeah, we already got him. We're not, we're not too focused on that right now, but let's just remember like this recruitment, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio state, Texas, bunch of schools after Rico Flores. Um, Notre Dame did the best job of recruiting him. Chancey Stuckey, when he came in in January, made is a huge priority. Went after him hard. Um, I, I think there was some some luck for the Irish um, to get him the the way that you know Georgia and Ohio State started recruiting him in, in June. But Notre again, Notre Dame did the best job. Went out and landed this top 200 nationally player, and um, he he's definitely going to have a big um, senior season. I expect other schools to pick up their pursuit of him you know especially if they lose a commitment and they're looking at who's still out there that we could go get i expect programs to come after rico flores jr so notre dame's going to need a fight to hold on to him
3: i would imagine cj is making his season debut this friday night
2: i want to say it's yes it is
3: it might be a thursday actually okay. um
2: so we are going to keep a close eye on cj Carr, of course blue gold and then i will even be um, at his high school game the, i believe it's september 3rd that friday um so yeah definitely we'll have a ton of coverage of blue and gold as well as our youtube page tracking this notre Dame quarterback commit
3: just for curiosity's sake and i'm not sure if you know the answer to this or not but in terms of running backs receivers tight ends offensive linemen at his high school are there any other division one prospects that are going to be helping him blossom this year
2: there is a big-time tight end. I forget his name. Okay. I'm mad at you for putting me on the spot Darren. I'm just kidding. Um, Notre Dame hasn't He's a class of 2024 20, four-star tight end. Saw him at Irish Invasion, um, and, and he, he's a pretty good player. I, Notre Dame doesn't offer him yet. Um, but, uh, yeah, so he, I, I know he's got a good tight end prospect on his team, um, but not, not sure about the rest.
3: Okay, very good. So now let's get to a player that's on the Notre Dame football team right now that you followed in the recruiting process a couple of years ago. And I'd just like for you to, I don't know, reminisce or talk a little bit about him. But Prince kylie has been showing up a lot on some blueandgold.com stories of Notre Dame football practices. This is an extremely talented young man coming out of high school. He's a four-star recruit, a linebacker that I think we all felt like was going to impact this team eventually. Well, it looks like the impact is starting to happen as of right now, what do you recollect about Notre Dame going after Prince Collie, And who do you feel like he might become here in college?
2: Uh, first of all, Darren, to be honest, I, I, I'm not surprised at all. I mean, th- th- this is what we, I mean, the dude was so impressive. So he was coming out in the 2021 recruiting class, which was heavily, that was the class that could not take official visits, very impacted. Um, by the pandemic that had what an 18 month recruiting dead period so Collie could not go visit any of these schools like I want to say the first time that he that the coaching staff was when he enrolled or, or, or maybe he visited for like the spring game but after he signed it, again if my memory serves me correctly so um I went out to go see him a couple times and uh, I, I mean the uh, the competition level in Northeast Tennessee, where he plays uh, Jonesboro or played Jonesboro, David Crockett. You don't see many guys like Prince Collie. It, it, you know, it's like holy crap! Like he looks like a like a grown man with a bunch of kids. You know, in uh, no disrespect to those other players, they just happen to be um, standing next to Prince Collie, who was just a dude as a senior uh, when I got to see him. Uh, running the ball, playing linebacker, playing safety. was just so impressive, physically dominant. Um, and look, his junior year, he was more of a safety. He didn't play linebacker until like the last game of his season uh, when they had an injury, and then he's being recruited as the linebacker, so he did play at his senior year. But he was just learning the position. He gets to Notre Dame, and of course, you know, I, I think he was like – physically built ready to play as a true freshman, but needed some time to kind of learn not only the nuance of college football, but the nuance of the linebacker spot. Um, and yeah, so it's no, no surprise now, now that, all right, he's kind of getting this game in, in the linebacker spot that, you know, he's probably going to break into the linebacker rotation just based off his athletic ability alone, you know, five-star prospect and on three had a as the number 25 overall player in his class, and number four linebacker, so absolute freak show, incredible person from a great family. Um, Prince Collie, someone you you just root for, Darren.
3: One more question for you: When you take a look at September, the Notre Dame home schedule, you've got Cal, you've got Marshall to start out the year do you have any sense that Marcus Freeman and Chad Bowden and the staff is going to do anything different in terms of visits, try to make every game important? It seems like they don't want to waste any time, you know, any moment of the day, but do you kind of feel like it's going to be the same old thing? September is going to be kind of a quiet time for visits with the less than stellar games right off the bat.
2: Somewhat. I I think it'll follow kind of what we, we've seen in recent years. Um, like the Clemson game will be a big one, um, but Notre like Notre Dame has most of its class Phil, right. They got 22 commitments and just have a few spots left. But those September weekends, I, I think you'll still have like an official visitor here, an official visitor there, enough to like make make them definitely like weekends to keep an eye on. We'll, we'll talk about them during the week as well, Darren. Um, so yeah, there there will. There'll be movement for those early September weekends for the 2023 class. And, of course, 24, 25, 26 26 classes will have visitors on campus, too. Yes, Darren, 2026, I said it.
3: Are you feeling old yet? A little bit. (laughs) So things are awfully busy at blueandgold.com. I was on the site just before – Getting ready to talk to you today, and never ceases to amaze me. There's always new things coming up. It seems like every couple of hours at BlueAndGold.com.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Like we, we really do feel like we have the the best Notre Dame coverage on the internet, and of course we have our print magazine as well. So I think we kind of have that market monopolized a, a little bit right now in terms of our magazine. Um, but uh, it, Darren, it, it's an incredible crew so blessed to work with the people i work with um and uh, we still have that introductory offer and i know people are probably listening to this being like all right mike say this every week it's going away soon i promise you it's it's not gonna be around much longer that dollar for one year deal so definitely head to blue and gold check it out
3: all right very good he is mike singer the notre dame football recruiting insider blue and gold illustrated BlueandGold.com. mike thanks for the visit all right thanks darren That's Mike. I'm Darren. More Sportsbeat coming up in a moment on Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
1: This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sportsbeat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
3: Well, yesterday we talked about the Manti Teo documentary that is currently streaming on Netflix. The former Irish linebacker Catfish during his senior season He went from the sports pages to the news pages and beyond. So with this documentary being released and a lot of Irish fans checking it out, here was yesterday's Twitter question of the day. Of these choices, what is your number one reaction to watching Manti Teo's documentary on Netflix? The four choices I gave you, the story, just exactly what I expected, Choice number two, after watching the documentary, I look at this story totally differently. Choice number three, after watching the documentary, I feel really bad for Manti Teo. And the fourth and final choice, how did he fall for this? You voted on my Twitter account, at 960 Sportsbeat. Here are the final results. Fourth place in the voting, and I'm very surprised this was fourth, I look at the story differently. That only got 10.3% of the vote. There was some new information that came out in this documentary, but didn't impress many people. So 10.3% for I look at the story differently. Third place in the voting at 12.8%. How did he fall for this? Second place in the voting, 30.8%. The story... Just what I expected. You know, for the most part, if you followed the story, then the first episode was a recap. Kind of everything we knew about the whole situation. Then there was a little bit of information on Deadspin in the second story. Then a little more insight how Lene passed away. Then all of a sudden she came back. And there was the picture that Manti wanted to see of her holding a piece of paper with certain information on it and giving a hand signal. And he got the real Lene. And I can't remember her first name off the top of my head, but the picture of Lene that was used, the real person, took the picture with the information on the piece of paper and the hand signal. So at that point, Manti thought that she was really alive. After all, this is right during the Heisman Trophy ceremony, preparing for the national title game. I will say one thing I learned about Manti from this piece, the anxiety he went through as an NFL player. The guy we saw at Notre Dame reacting, physical, not going to make a mistake. He was afraid to make a mistake, and when you do that in the NFL – It's going to be tough, and it was tough for Manti Teo. Never became the NFL player I think a lot of us thought he was going to become after watching him here in South Bend. And winning the vote, your number one reaction to watching Manti Teo's documentary on Netflix, 46.2% say they feel bad for Manti Teo after watching the documentary. Manti was very open throughout this documentary at the end he basically forgave the individual that put together this hoax the person who put forth the hoax never showed any remorse which was really really strange I thought that was the one thing I thought we might get out of this we didn't but Manti was hoping for the best for his family well he is now a she. Let's don't even go down that road. Just watch the documentary, you'll see. But it was an interesting piece, and having lived through it, again, the Dead Spin article came out 45 minutes before Sports Beat that day. I read it two or three times before the show and just couldn't wrap my head around what I was reading. We talked our way through it on the first half hour of the show, just again, just talking through and reading the story, trying to figure out what happened. What This person's not real. What? I actually had an offer to go on the Fox News channel to talk about Manti Teo in this situation, and I declined the invitation. I just didn't see any good coming out of it, for me, for our station, for Manti, by going on there and talking about this particular situation. Because at that moment, he was basically just getting jabbed by everybody, the jokes, the cartoons. It was was pretty harsh at that particular time. And I just felt like there is no point going on, Fox News Channel or any news Channel I want to make this political it's not because it was Fox News Channel I wouldn't have went on any show I think it was the it was the show at that time that was hosted by the lawyer that was the prosecution against OJ Simpson Van Greston something you know who I'm talking about probably but yeah I said no thank you to that there was just No winners in that particular situation. All right, so thanks for voting on yesterday's question. Today's question is up at 960 Sportsbeat on Twitter. Today's question, who is the best offensive player, regardless of position, on the 2022 Notre Dame football team? I wish I could have posted five or six choices, probably only need two. But four available. Let's use all four. Here are the four choices. Who is the best offensive player on this year's football team, regardless of position? Is it offensive lineman Jared Patterson? Tight end, Michael Mayer. Do you see the upside coming of wide receiver Lorenzo Styles or quarterback Tyler Buckner? You can vote right now through about four o'clock tomorrow. Just go to my Twitter account at 960 Sports Beat, who is the best offensive player on the Irish squad, regardless of position? 550 at WSBT.
1: A Michiana tradition continues. Welcome to Budweiser's weekday sports beat on Sports Radio 960, WSBT. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett.
3: Just a couple of minutes in front of the top of the hour. Sports Radio 960 WSBT. We have a live stream rolling right now at WSBTradio.com and on our free WSBT Radio app. The app is a free download at the iTunes or Google Play stores. Just search WSBT Radio. And we are also currently live on our Twitch app Just get the Twitch app for free and search Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Our Irish player spotlight today is defensive end Riley Mills. Last year with the Irish, 13 games, 16 tackles, 3 tackles for loss, 3 sacks, and 3 quarterback curries. He'll be a starting big defensive end for the Fighting Irish this year. He moves from the inside to the outside. And big expectations for the Fighting Irish defensive line this year. Defensive coordinator Al Golden.
4: Yeah, we're you know it does give us flexibility to play a a bunch of different fronts um, for sure. And uh, I think uh, you know Al's done a great job with those guys, Coach Moon. And uh, again, come to work every day. uh, A veteran group, good leaders in that room, and. You know, guys that are unselfish, guys that, you know, are not afraid to play hard positions, play tough techniques. Uh, Maybe it's not as comfortable as just edge rushing all the time. So we really appreciate the effort that they're giving.
3: The college football world knows about Isaiah Foskey and his 11 sacks for the Irish this year, looking for an even bigger season this year. But opposite of Isaiah Foskey, is good old number 99, Riley Mills.
4: Good. Um, you know, a big shout out to Coach East the line because every day we're battling out there. Um, we're giving our best. The new defensive scheme, how does that
0: really play to your benefit?
4: Yeah, you know, it just allows me to go out there and be free and just and play ball how I know. Um, you know. The biggest thing Coach Golden preaches is just being versatile at the next level, so I just want to do as much as I can. And where have you seen your improvement? the offseason for camp? Yeah, I think my overall offense um, you know, I've always been a strong guy, but I've really been working on my speed. So it's just one of those things that when I get out there, I want to be fast. Really what kind of went into the weight gain and just the process came up to where you're at right now? Yeah, it really just happened naturally. It really just happened. Um, I, I really didn't plan on it, but I think just as I've worked this summer, it's just where my body's gone. So, I mean, I've I lost body fat, and I feel you know quick as I've ever been, so it's been good. And then, what's the life like kind of on the outside of the defense now a little bit more than last year? Yeah, you know, it's definitely a, a little bit different, but you still got to bring the same mentality. So, I'm out there trying to play my base technique and do everything as good as I can. And then,
2: the young guy, Tyson Ford, kind of has your game a little bit. What have you kind of seen from him?
0: Yeah,
4: yes, yeah. Tyson, you know, he's a big guy. He's playing the inside. So. I'm trying to preach to him every day at a, you know low pad level, and he's getting there. He's one of those young guys that works at it, and you know, he's going to be a good one.
3: You mentioned the O-line. What differences have you seen from that group uh, facing them last camp compared to this year? Oh, you're that yeah,
4: out. I think it's just the mentality. Um, they come out there every day ready to you know blow us off the ball, and we got to bring our A-game. So, you know, every day, iron travels iron, uh, and that's just the best part of going out there.
3: What do you think has the edge so far between
4: you and the O-line? I'm going to say, I feel like the D-line has oh, got the
3: edge. With you guys being such a strong unit last season, how can you improve all
4: that with that you've been looking you guys to better Yeah, it's just improving the brotherhood. Um, every day we're getting out there and we're working. You know, Coach Wash, you know, he's the most passionate coach I've been around and every day we work on getting better with every drill, every Indian period, we're working. And you spoke about iron sharpening iron, so much talent yeah. on that defensive line, how have you seen that Yeah, it's just you know, everyone's coaching each other up. You know, no one has an ego here, we're all working as hard as we can. That's what's great, especially, you know, across the D-line. We're all trying to help the young guys, trying to uh, help each other be as good as we can be.
0: And how have those guys looked so far?
4: They've been good. They're coming along really well. Um, you know, I'm really proud of how they've done. And, you know, I think every day they're taking a step in the right direction. So, they really got it.
3: Sure seems like the Irish will have plenty of depth once again along the defensive line besides the Foskies and the Mills. You've got the Adamiolas, Lacey, Cross, on down the line, a lot of experience. And experience depth on this Notre Dame football team as they look to embark on that opening game in 11 days at number two Ohio State. It is 5:59. I'm Darren Pritchett. SportsBeat continues with a SportsCenter update in just a moment on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
0: Show
3: me the money. We go with Sizzler. We go with Sizzler. We wrap up Budweiser's weekday sports beat, this shortened version on this Tuesday with our sports wagering segment, We Going to Sizzler. Darren Pritchett with you. Let's recap last night's suggestions. Cardinals and Cubs from Wrigley Field, St. Louis, as good as anybody in baseball. Hitting left handed pitching. Drew Smiley was starting for the Cubs last night. So I took the Cardinals on the run line, minus one and a half runs at plus 100. Cardinals won the game, but only one nothing on an Albert Pujols home run. So we took a loss in our first suggestion. Suggestion number two. Behind Sonny Gray, I took the Twins on the run line against the Rangers at minus 105. And the Rangers actually won this game 2-1, so we got off to an 0-2 start last night, but recovered with the Yankees on the run line versus the Mets at minus 130. The Yankees won outright against Max Scherzer. Please, Yankees please, won 4-2. will take the victory. And our fourth and final suggestion last night, Marlins on the money line. At Oakland at minus 145. Edward Cabrera has been throwing up nothing but goose eggs. Did it again last night. We took the win as the Marlins shut out the A's three to nothing. So we had a two and two night last night. We're now 19 and 16 for the month of August, 107, 87 and one for the season. Here comes our four suggestions for tonight Cubs and Cardinals game two of the doubleheader. I'm taking the Cubs in the first five innings over St. Louis behind Adrian Sampson over Jake Woodard. I got the Cubbies, first five innings at plus 110. The second suggestion, the Jays on the money line at Fenway over the Red Sox at minus 140. I am backing Ross Stripling, the right-hander last seven starts, just a 2.72 ERA. Then we've got the Marlins and A's once again out in Oakland, once again going with the Marlins on the road at the A's at minus 145 because Pablo Lopez back on the mound. Boy, the Yankees tried to pry him away from the Marlins at the trade deadline. Good young right-hander. I'm going Lopez and the Marlins on the money line. And the fourth and final suggestion, Rockies just went at home. And I'm gonna go with the Rockies on the money line against Texas at minus 115. Herman Marquez on the mound for the Rockies. He has struggled throughout the year. I'm hoping he figures it out tonight. So Let's go with the Rockies on the money line. We hit the underdog pick last night. It was a big time underdog. The Brewers on the money line at the Dodgers at plus 200 and the Brewers won outright four to nothing. So that evens our underdog picks for the year at 23 and 23. My underdog pick for tonight. I'm going to go back to the Cardinals-Cubs game at Wrigley Field. The Cardinal bats have been a little quiet the last couple of days. So I'm going to say the Cardinals score under three and a half runs in game two. And that wager comes with a plus 140. So Cardinals under three and a half runs in game two against the Cubs at plus 140. Budweiser's weekday sports beat has been brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Baseball fans, this bud's for you. By the Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future. By Barnabys of Mishawaka and Granger, serving our community while serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. By Midland Engineering Company, beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana, Hunger is a Story We Can End. Find out how at FeedIndiana.org. And by Pet Refuge, urging you to adopt, don't shop for new beginnings, have happy endings. Coming up on Wednesday's Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. We welcome back to the program Blue and Gold Illustrated's Notre Dame football beat reporter Tyler Horka will talk all things Notre Dame football fall camp and continue to look ahead to the opener against Ohio State. That'll be on Sports Beat tomorrow night from 5 to 6.15 right here on WSBT Radio. But coming up next, it is South Bend Cubs baseball. The Cubs in West Michigan from Comstock Park, Michigan on Sports Radio 960 WSBT.